This is Oliver Myers, professor at Clemson University, and you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to Chasing Dreams. I have once again another wonderful person that you need to meet. Another friend of mine, because all these Dream Chasers are friends of mine, that's why we have that in common, uh, Dr. Oliver J. Myers, an Associate Professor of Mechanical Engineering at Clemson University. Dr. Myers is a graduate of the Un University of Maryland, Baltimore County, for all three degrees of bachelor's, master's, and doctorate in mechanical engineering. So he's a really smart guy, guys. Prior to joining MSU, he worked as a senior mechanical engineer at Northrop Grumman Corporation Electronic Systems Division in Baltimore and as an integrated product team lead. He also worked as a design and analysis engineer at the Naval Air Warfare Center, working on several military aircraft platforms and as an engineer with the Maryland Department of the Environment. He has the honor, aside from being my brother, of being selected in the inaugural class of the prestigious Meyerhoff Scholarship Program at UMBC under the mentorship of Dr. Freeman Rabowski. While working full-time and attending school full and part-time on alternating semesters, Dr. Myers completed his dissertation focusing on computational modeling and experimentation of smart material-driven microelectromechanical systems. He is conducting research in smart material and smart system applications for nano, micro, mini, and macro scale systems, interdisciplinary computational models of mechanical systems, and integrated design analysis prototyping of mechanical devices and systems. I know that was a big mouthful, but it was important for me to, to say all of that because he is doing a lot. And just cutting that out, I think, would do a disservice to the research he is doing, which is only bettering our tomorrow. So I definitely had to say that. And so with that, Oliver. Yeah. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for joining the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. You know, when I was trying to figure out who, who should I ask to come on the show, and you know, we know a lot of people, right? Just yes, right. because we're Meyerhoffs, we know a lot of people. Um, and, but you were the first one to come to mind as someone I wanted to come because, you know, we've known each other a long time and I know your, the struggles you've gone through, right? Oh, thank you. Yes, yes, thank you. But today, uh, what did we decide? It was like seven years that you've gone through this? Yeah. So seven years. Oliver has worked hard, guys, to get three degrees. Actually, it's probably more than seven years that you've worked on this. 
Yeah, more more than seven years, but it's been seven years removed, I guess. Yeah, so seven years since you've been out of it. but So a little yeah. bit over seven years that, since he has been working hard to go through this. And so, Oliver, you have three degrees, mm-hmm. a BS, MS, and a PhD. Correct. And you worked through school full-time pretty much for your bachelor's, but your master's and your doctorate, you also had a full-time or part-time job, correct? Yes. Was that a personal decision? Was doing school alone not something you wanted to do? Well, no. Uh, admittedly, when I finished my bachelor's, I had around a 3.0, just under a 3.0. So it was, I was accepted for a provisional status into the master's program. Okay. And so the first year of my master's program, I had one full-time job and roughly maybe about two part-time jobs and was going to school part-time. And then the second year of my master's program, I was a full-time student, a full-time graduate assistant, and had three other job, part-time jobs. Were you crazy? I mean, I, I know you're crazy, but, but to do all of that? Why? Well, it, well, first of all, I needed to make sure I had the, the finances to take care of the classes I was taking because nobody else was paying for them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was an opportunity to gain experience. Uh, so it was, it was a challenge. Yes, it was, and it was a time for also me, for me to, to mature and really just grow up and, and put it in layman's terms. Now, and, did you ever think... I have a bachelor's, that's enough, or I have a master's, let me stop now? Like, what, Especially since you're working to pay for all this, and education isn't cheap. I mean, there's thousands upon thousands of people who will tell you that. Right. Did you ever think, no, that's I'm good where I'm at? Admittedly, yes. It crossed my mind a few times when I was looking at classmates or uh, alum that had gone on with me, and they were finishing up their bachelor's and started working and they were making decent money and I'm still eating ramen noodles and <laughs> living <laughs> in a studio apartment that's only about 10 by 10. and Hanging and, out with, with people like me years yeah, later? Yeah, hanging out with you and <laughs> and and really just uh, still in school. And, of course, you go to family reunions and folks are asking, why are you still in school? And you start to wonder, yeah, why am I still in school? But... When I when I signed on for the Meyerhoff program, it was not only a scholarship, but it was also a commitment to fulfill the promise and the dream that Dr. Robowski really planted the seed in us of getting the master's and Ph.D., getting that terminal degree. And so I decided to continue on uh, by by any means that necessary. So and you fulfilled that promise. I mean, let's be clear, you you, you got the master's. You got the PhD. You're yeah. doing work still in those areas of mechanical engineering today. Right. Do you like it? I enjoy. I really do. I, and part of the reason why I became an engineer was as a, as a child, I enjoyed building and breaking things. So what better career path than as an engineer? That's true. I mean, most people think engineers are are builders, but it's true. You do end up breaking things, don't you, to put them back together? Yeah. You want to improve them. You want to see how you can make it better. Uh, One of my favorite shows as a kid was The Six Million Dollar Man, 
And the actual introduction to it said, we can build them, we can make them stronger, we can make them faster. So let's see what we can do. <laughs> Have you always had that calling for engineering? Do you think since that show, since an early age? Yeah. Yeah. I, my dad is a uh, licensed carpenter. And uh, ever since I was a kid, I was always in his uh, basement shop building things with wood and metals and just doing all kinds of little arts and crafts. And not really arts and crafts, but just projects, really. Just trying to build something, trying to see if I could design it, making drawings on paper, then going down to the wood shop to try to see if I can make make what I just drew on paper. Now, you, you talked about, during this journey, having doubts at times, and st but still overcoming them and pursuing this PhD, this this dream of being a mechanical engineer. Can you talk about some of the struggles you went through? during that process? Sure. And, uh, again, part of the struggle was getting over that first hurdle of having multiple jobs and being successful in school, trying to break the uh, track record and, and, again, trying to build, dig yourself out of a hole. As I said, my GPA wasn't the strongest when I finished undergrad, and so I had to take take a... Uh, at a provisional status as as a first year's master's student and I worked very hard as I said working full-time and several part-time jobs built up my GPA over that first year and then the next year I was denied not denied a fellowship but denied an opportunity to apply for a fellowship well and, that has to be a blow oh it was it was and uh, so I had to again dig into what result, what resolve and what reserves I had left to figure out how I could find uh, and other opportunities and other avenues to finish my degree. And I was blessed to get a uh, graduate teaching assistantship or graduate, graduate assistantship rather, believe it or not, through the Meyerhoff program. And so I worked with them as a grad assistant and it gave me a different perspective from being a student to being a, almost to mentor many students from that standpoint. But at the same time, it was motivation for me to do the best that I could because I was present at all of the staff meetings, present at all of the uh, cohort meetings, present at all the family meetings. And everybody is also talking about their GPA, how well they're doing. And of course, Dr. Rabowski was there motivating us and sometimes chastising us if we didn't even if we didn't perform well so and you know this very well <laughs> <laughs> been there done that yeah. yes right so there was that push of okay we don't have anybody we have very few people ahead of us but we I also have a number of people that are behind me who are looking at me as an example so getting through that was a part of that challenge Moving into my Ph.D. program, I started at NC State and was able to get a fellowship through NASA. But three years into my research, my advisor jumped ship and left my myself and my colleagues no provisions on or no plan of action on how, how we were going to graduate. Yeah, I and can't so, imagine what you were yeah. thinking at that time, honestly, to... 
be into your PhD. And again, guys, if you remember from our conversation with Dozy, an unquote, and his pursuit, you know, a PhD is a long and grueling process and it's not easy. And so here you are, Oliver, and you're working on it and in the middle of it. Your guide is gone. Right. I mean, what did you guys do? Well, we tried to look at as many avenues as we could find. And my colleagues ended up finding other advisors that had research interests in common. And I did as well. However, I took a path of taking a position at the Naval Air Warfare Center in the hopes that I could conduct research that would be qualifiable or credible in the field as well as academically. And so I left, I left NC State and worked for Patrick, the Naval Air Warfare Center for about a year. And that did not turn out well. As I said, uh, the research did not pan out and the collaboration did not work very well. So I ended up returning back to UMBC and had to start everything over from the beginning. All of my courses, or most of my courses, went out the window. All of the exams and everything of that nature went out the window. I had to start over from the very beginning of a Ph.D. program and uh, found a full-time job at Northrop Grumman and was able to find a research program that allowed me to do some collaborative research between UMBC and Northrop Grumman because the two have a – UMBC and Northrop Grumman have – a very good partnership being that they're so local to each other. I mean, I cannot believe that you kept going. I mean, I know you, so I know why you kept going, but honestly, um, with the odds stacked against you like that, you know, it's so easy for you to have quit. Right. That it is even more impressive that you did not, that you overcame those obstacles and, and jumped over it. Yeah. Well, I have to, we had to do, as many of my military friends would say, embrace the suck. Yeah, it, it, was, it was terrible. It was, it was horrible. It was challenging. And, uh, and many will say it was unfair. You might as well give up, stop, don't do it. But I still had this commitment. I had this desire to finish this doctorate. And so I was not going to just simply give up. Now, Oliver, one of the things that people um, down PhD candidates for sometimes is you kind of give up your life. And, and that's that's been one thing that people say. Would you say that's true, that you, you give up your life when you go after a PhD? You give up a lot of time. It really requires an extensive time commitment and personal commitment. Mm-hmm. Because once I returned to UMBC, I'd gotten married and had kids and got involved with uh, mentoring my kids and teaching kids and coaching football and being very active in the church. And as I said, working full time. And then I still had this commitment to finish school. So there were many nights where sleep was elusive. Yet you kept going. And I kept going. Yeah. But you still have uh, the thing I love about your story, Oliver, though, is despite the odds, despite the obstacles that were thrown into your path, you kept going for this Ph.D. 
You still had a life. You have a beautiful family. He has a beautiful family, guys. A beautiful family. And today, you are... Did you imagine you would be where you are today, a professor at Clemson? Actually, no. I, I kind of resisted the idea of going into academia for the longest time. I really wanted to work at a government laboratory doing any type of number of experiments or anything like that. I did not necessarily want to go into academia. I just initially, again, on, you know, seeing one side of the, one side of the coin, just saw that it was not a promising career. But again, that was me looking on the outside in and not really having an understanding of what, what academia really entails. And yet here you are today, professor of mechanical engineering at Clemson. You're traveling for for yes. school. I mean, that was one of the things that we had to kind of work through is your travel schedule to, to find time. And you're doing some other stuff now, aren't you? In your free time? Free time? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> let it be said, let it be noted that professors at colleges are people too. Yeah, we, we are people too, and... I still enjoy fishing, and even when I was doing my Ph.D., I would go fishing. In fact, uh, that's one of the big things that kept me grounded was the fact that my that I could go out with my family and go fishing and do those type of things. As I said, I coached football. I was very active in the church in either ministry or the music department. Uh, we cut a CD several years ago. Um, I like to work out with military folks. I like to do the seal fit type of workouts and uh 20x challenges and all those type of things so yeah now, you can't be you can't be one dimensional <laughs> we we have to talk about this seal fit because um it has done some amazing things for you and i know you love it we've talked about it when we catch up what is seal fit what is that well it's a in terms of the workout it's a CrossFit style of workout where you're doing multiple exercises in a certain time frame for multiple reps or multiple rounds, uh, building up your strength, work capacity, endurance, agility, and mobility. But it's also kind of a mindset that I I, I rather enjoy that you're more you're 20 times capable of more than you realize. Uh, you have challenges you have to overcome them and you have to find your way to overcome them and there are multiple ways to do that multiple ways to tackle a problem multiple ways of looking at it so you just can't really just stay comfortable in your box you have to be you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable oh that's deep right there <laughs> that's deep right there you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah well, how do you how do you get comfortable with being uncomfortable? Is it just repetition? It's life. Nothing is ever the same every day, every day. I mean, even if you drive you drive the same route to work every day, one day may be smooth sailing, another day you're in traffic for three hours. It's part of what happens. Uh, another day there might be an accident and. Heaven forbid you might be in the accident or near the accident and you have to actually witness the accident or explain what happened to the officer. Things happen. Life happens. And you have to be 
adaptive and agile and mobile in mind, body, and spirit to adapt to that. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Yeah, so, and the same thing with military. A lot of military principles can actually be applied to academia. When you think about it, the level of discipline it takes to get through a PhD, the level of perseverance, uh, um, you know, the adaptability, being flexible uh, with your schedule, being, being a good time manager, being a leader. A lot of those things are translatable from one area to another. You know, it's interesting you say that because Dozy, um, also a Meyerhoff um, that we know, said the same thing or something very similar in that his, te- his, the skills he had and learned while pursuing his PhD, the research, the writing, the presentation, all mm-hmm. translated to life skills that he still uses today. And it sounds like you can say the same thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so if you had to go back, would you do it again? Would you go through this again, knowing what you know? I would go through it again, but I would probably tweak how I went through it. You know, hindsight being twenty twenty, I would still do a number of things, but I would try to do them better, try to do them with more integrity, more discipline. But... uh I did them already, so you can't have any regrets, you know? No, no, absolutely. But would you say to someone who is also trying or thinking or considering a master's or a PhD, what would you tell them about their bachelor life? Meaning as they're pursuing their bachelor's? I would tell them it's absolutely the the way to go, a worthwhile adventure. And I do mean adventure, not just venture. Uh, because you can really gain a lot out of it just by understanding the research, understanding the fact that, okay, now I am outside of this undergraduate realm. There are other things that I need to investigate. So having that maturation process of going from an undergraduate to a graduate student and then even from a graduate student to a professional, even in that transition, you you really get different perspectives and gain a lot of wisdom. Now, Oliver, one of the things, you know, with Meyerhoff is encouraging further studies, right? Mm -hmm. For your class in particular, it was uh, for minorities. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. even today it's, it's minorities are not as strongly represented. Would you say in the sciences? Correct. And in corporate, environments as well. I don't think it's limited to the sciences. I think even in a corporate environment, it's it's very limiting. Yes. And so do you have any advice or words for, for people who, are cons- who, who may be minorities, who may be considering it, but feel intimidated by the lack of representation they see? Well, again, don't be intimidated. We have a track record that's now in front of you that says we can be successful in academia or the corporate field. Um, feel free to contact any of us. You know, with the Meyerhoffs, of course, we we know how to get in touch with each other. If we don't know who's at a place, we just call Mr. Harmon or or Miss Wiggs and say, I'm going to I'm going to California. Who's out there? And immediately we immediately we get a list of Meyerhoffs who are out there in California. Uh, so use your networks. 
the networks are a lot more powerful than people realize. And with our experience with the Meyerhoff program, we have a very strong network and it still is continuing to grow because we still don't have people everywhere yet. But that will that will continue to come along as time goes by. Absolutely. So guys, regardless of your background, regardless of what you're doing, you know, pursue your dreams. And especially if you are a minority and you feel that you cannot do something. I think Oliver, myself, and a number of people are here to tell you, don't let that stop you. Don't let that be what limits you. Don't let that fear rule you. Right? Correct. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I, I think we're both here to say you can come a long way and you can be that person. As Oliver said, you know, there's a group of people behind him watching him. Okay. There's a group of people watching you and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, think about it. If you think you can't do it, what do you think the people behind you are going to say? Right. You know, and, and look at Oliver. He's, he's doing some amazing things at Clemson. I, that's why I read all the research he's doing. That's some Fun stuff right there. I mean, nano, micro, mini, and macro scale systems. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I, I just know, I know nano, micro, I mean, those are just various scales, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, can you dumb down what you're doing at Clemson? Well, we're looking at different materials. For instance, I'm looking at composite materials. Uh, basically, what we're building... Uh, helicopters, helicopter blades, and even the latest Boeing 787. It's mainly a composite aircraft. And we're looking at how we can uh, detect damages at the very small scales before they become full catastrophic size damage. Okay. So that's one area of research. Uh, another area of research is looking at uh, micro-aerial vehicles, uh, looking at how we can make a little birds or little bugs that fly around out of robots. Okay, that's cool. That's yeah. cool right there. You should start like with to, that. Yeah, I like to tell my students that we're making uh, making mini transformer robots. <laughs> I'm sure you capture their attention with that alone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, guys, Oliver's going to uh, give me all the links and stuff to his page, his research, his contact information. We will have that in the show notes. Be sure to reach out. He's a great guy, very open. Uh, I'm sure he has no problem talking to you if you have any questions. Right, Oliver? No, absolutely. And so definitely do that. I'm so happy he was on the show. But before we go, we got so many other things we got to talk about first, Oliver. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, it's time for rapid fire. Yikes. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it. You have a PhD. This, this is what happens when you have a PhD. People are like, you can do it. We have faith in you. So okay. for those tuning in, Rapid Fire is a game that I play with my guests. We only do one round. If you want to see more rounds, let me know. But I think one round is enough for now. Where Oliver's going to pick a number between one and three. He's, that's going to be the category for the game. And then we're going to uh, alternate naming things associated with that category. So, for example, if it's sports, he's going to say basketball. I'd say football, and he'd say scuba. And I'd say, and if I hesitate like that, then I'd be out. Okay, so the first person who hesitates, repeats an answer, or just says something that's obviously wrong, 
is out. Okay, so that's the idea of the game. You good, Oliver? Okay, I'll give it a shot. That's that's all we ask. That's <laughs> we try to practice what we preach. You know, try. Right. All right, guys. Oliver, what's the number? One. One. Office supplies. So we're just going to go back and forth naming different office supplies. Stop looking around your desk. (laughs) (laughs) I can see the video. (laughs) See, this is why I turned mine off. Ah. It all comes out. Okay, you ready? No fair. (laughs) You want to go first or shall I? Uh, Ladies first. Okay. Pencils. Paper. Ruler. Paper clip. Pen. Notepad. Stapler. Desk. Staples. Snap. Uh. What? What? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Whole> punch. <laughs> that was like a year later. I'm sorry, sir. But that was a valiant effort you made. Yeah. That was pretty good. That was a good volley. <laughs> See, you can play this with your students if you want. Oh, man. See if they paid attention to your class lecture. Hey, that's a that's a good that's a good icebreaker. There we go. This is what I try. So Oliver, it's time for your corner. Is there if you met a dream chaser, someone who was chasing their dream, and they mm-hmm. asked you, Hey, Oliver, what is the one thing you would recommend to me? Whether it's a book, a person to follow, a quote, whatever. Sky's the limit, what would you say? Stay true to yourself. If you really have a passion for a particular dream, and you know that's what you're called to do in life, that's what you want to do in life, don't ever give up on it. Don't ever give up on it. Uh, as I said, uh, read your Bible. Uh, there are a couple of books I would recommend. The Art Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Uh, what other books? Uh, the Way of the Seal is a Navy SEAL book that I've read. There are a number of books that have just really been inspirational, empowering. Go do some adventures that challenge you, things that you would never even think about doing because it all just builds to your character and to your perseverance. So if, you, if you're crazy like me and want to go work out with some Navy SEALs, go do it for a weekend just to see what you're made of. And everything that you learn from the books, your experiences, it translates into other aspects of your life it's not one-dimensional everything is cohesive and tied together don't be afraid to challenge yourself don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone so just enjoy the process Uh, it's something that we all have to go through and we you you will have you will find people who have gone through similar processes and they can serve as mentors and examples for you you're not alone in the process so Enjoy it and go through it. We'll see you on the other side. I couldn't say it better than myself. That was great. Guys, take what he says to heart. Reach out to Oliver. Reach out to myself. Reach out to someone, anyone who can help you chase your own dreams. That's all we want. And that's all we want to see from you. Okay. So Oliver, any last words for the dream chasers? Oh, no, I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) You completely drained me. I promise Oliver is fine and he has recovered from our interview. He does not have any battle scars from it and he is doing well and back at Clemson teaching the bright minds of the college. And I can't thank him enough for coming onto the show and sharing his journey. You know, through your life, you're going to meet a lot of people who will 
come and go. Some will stay longer than others, and some will leave an impression on you. And Oliver is one of those people who has become like a brother to me. And having gone to college with him, I've seen the journey and the struggles he's had and the difficulties. And I'm, I really wanted to share that because he's at a point where he's happy. He's doing something he loves. He has a beautiful family. He's enjoying the military workouts he's doing. And he, every time I talk to him, he's doing something even crazier. Uh, but he's doing great. And that's something you guys can also have. It's a new year, 2016. Go out there and chase your dreams and find your happiness. And remember Oliver, because he faced an obstacle almost every day of his life, and he climbed each one and got over it. And you too can do the same thing. You just have to metaphorically put one foot in front of the other, and you can do it, okay? And if you need encouragement, reach out to me. I'd be happy to be your cheerleader, but no one can want your dream more than you. You have to put in the work. So go out there, go work, make your dreams come true. And until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.